The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. So at the end of our story today, we're going to end it off where there is a Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch sitting side by side. And so we're not going to go through the part where the Ethiopian eunuch believes in Jesus. Most of you have probably heard the story. But the passage of scripture that they're reading there together, it says that um, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. And who can speak of his descendants? His life was cut off from the earth. Amen. All glory be to Christ. Father, we're here today again. Uh, your Central Asian congregation with our hands out and our eyes open praying in community. And we believe you hear us. And we say, all glory, all glory be to Christ. We will forever be your people. Yeah, we pray, Father, that today, here in our midst, you would be active. You'd be using the ancient words that you supervise the writing of. You'd be stirring with your spirit. Feel free to send angels if you want to. We love you. In Jesus' name. So, um, the story today is kind of like part one of a two-part story. Um, the second part of the story, the Ethiopian eunuch that's in this story, is going to uh, believe in Jesus and be baptized. Uh, but part one is, how did it happen? that Philip and the eunuch were sitting next to each other. So that's the part we're going to learn as a group today. Uh, and it's powerful. So the background of this story is that Jesus, before he was taken up in front of his apostles, he told them, you guys are going to be um, my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then there was a church that the people were believing in Jerusalem. The things started to, to expand there. And there was a great persecution that broke out in Jerusalem. 
So this dude, Philip, that we're going to talk about today, wound up getting scattered over to Samaria. And then in Samaria, he had a really powerful ministry. So Philip was in Samaria. People were believing in Jesus there. Um, And then the apostles from Jerusalem sent uh, two guys, uh, Peter and John, to sort of validate that this was really happening. And it was really true that people in Samaria received the Holy Spirit and, um, and, and the gospel was, was being proclaimed there. And it was in that context of effective ministry in Samaria that our story today begins. So this is the part you're going to memorize. An angel of the Lord said to Philip... Get up and go south. Uh, Get up and go south down to the road which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So get up and go south down to the road which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. That is a desert place. And so Philip got up and went. Now, there was an Ethiopian. The Ethiopian was a eunuch. The Ethiopian was on the court of Candace, who was the queen of all Ethiopians, and he was in charge of all her treasure. This Ethiopian eunuch had gone up to Jerusalem for the purpose of worship. And he was seated in a chariot going home. And he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. So these are five characteristics we know about this Ethiopian. So then, the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join that chariot. And so Philip ran to him. And Philip said to him, and well, he heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he said to him, Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said to him, How can I understand unless Someone guides me. And then he invited the Ethiopian up into the chariot to sit next to him. So that's the end of our story for today. So now I just need one of you guys to volunteer to retell the story, starting with an angel of the Lord said to Philip. We got a volunteer here, praise the Lord. An Ethiopian and the story of the Ethiopian and Philip. So an angel came to Philip, and the angel said, Get up and go south to a place where I will show you. So Philip, he gets up, and he goes. On the road, he sees an Ethiopian. We see this Ethiopian who is rich, he is high in power, and he has just come from Jerusalem to worship. 
And he is there in the chariot reading from a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit says to Philip, go by the chariot. So Philip goes and he starts to listen and he can hear that the Ethiopian is reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he says to the Ethiopian, do you understand what you're reading? The Ethiopian says, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? So the Ethiopian invites Philip onto the chariot, and Philip starts to explain what Jesus has done through the prophet Isaiah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, so, at the beginning of the story, how does God speak to Philip? An angel of the Lord. So, God sends an angel of the Lord. And what is the content of the angel of the Lord's message to Philip? Get up and go south. Now, how far is he supposed, how far south is he supposed to go? You remember there's a road that goes from what city? To what city? And so wherever, where, where Philip's at in Samaria, he needs to go south until he gets to that road. Right? So you can picture this, right? You've got Jerusalem and you've got Gaza and a road between them. Philip is somewhere north of that road. And the instruction is, go south until you get to the road. All right. And Philip, what's Philip's response? He, what, it starts off, I think he says, Lord, why? Now, that would be perhaps me. What's Philip's response? Get up and go. He got up and went. The instruction was, get up and go south. And Philip's response was to get up and go. So I think that was, he got up and we went. All right, so that's the part. We, we kind of set that aside now. That's the story about how Philip got to that place. So you can look at this story kind of like in three parts. What's going on in Philip's life that brings him to this intersection? The second part is what's going on in the Ethiopian's life that brings him to this intersection? And then the third one, the third part of the story is the beginning of their interaction. So, so far we've got the Philip part. We know Philip is currently going south. Now the Ethiopian, what's going on in the Ethiopian's life? First of all, what do we know about him? He's a eunuch. So one thing, one key difference between Ethiopian eunuch and Philip is that he's a eunuch. Um, what else do we know about him? Pardon? He works for the queen. He's a member of the court of which queen? Candace. She's the queen of who? All Ethiopians. Candace. And what's his job? He's the money dude. He's in charge of all her treasure. All right, what else do we know about him? His recent history? He was in Jerusalem. Why was he in Jerusalem? He was in Jerusalem to worship. 
So he'd gone to Jerusalem in worship, and where is he now? He's in a chariot. Where is he headed? He's headed home. And what's he doing in that chariot? He's reading from the prophet Isaiah. Okay. Now, this Ethiopian has come from Jerusalem toward Gaza. Philip has come south to the same point on the road. Now, Philip is within sight of the chariot. And how does God speak to him? The Spirit. And what does the Spirit say to Philip? Go, go over and join that chariot. Go over and join that chariot. And so Philip does what? He runs. The Spirit says, go join the chariot, and Philip runs to the chariot, runs to him. And as he gets to the chariot, what happens? He hears. He hears the guy reading from the prophet Isaiah. And what does he say to him? Do you understand what you're reading? And how does the Ethiopian respond to Philip? How can I unless I have someone to guide me? And then he invites Philip up into the chariot and he sits next to him. So in the story, who are the characters that made decisions? The decision-making characters in this story. Philip? Anyone else? The Holy Spirit? Anyone else? The Ethiopian eunuch made some decisions. Anyone else? An angel of the Lord? All right. Let's think about the story from Philip's point of view for, for a period now. What's sort of the first decision that Philip makes? Now, before the story, he, go, he went to Samaria. That was a choice, but that's within the story, uh, this particular passage of the Bible. What's the first decision that Philip makes? Get up, Get up and go south. And what alternatives did he have? What could he have done differently? What was that? He could have just said no or ignored the voice, pretended that it's not there. He could have just refused. That's one option. What's that? He he could have gone north. (laughs) He he could have gone north. You see, I hadn't thought of that one. I'm glad I asked. He could have gone the opposite direction. What else could he do? He could not go immediately. What would that look like in practice? Perhaps a negotiation? Or I think maybe a request for an explanation, right? You could say, okay, God, it sounds like you want me to go to the south, but I need some more details here, right? I, I, need, to, I need to understand the goals. 
and the, the likelihood that, I mean, in reality, I've got a very effective ministry here. Um, and so I need to understand why this would be a better, a better use of my energy. I'm not really seeing it. So I guess God made a choice on how much information to give him here too, right? God chose to say, get up and go south through an angel. What could God have done differently? What's that? Could have sent a prophet to tell him. He could have sent a, a prophet to tell Philip, the Lord has sent me to, to explain to you what you should do rather than a, an angel. He could have given him the details. He said, you know, it's hard for you to see right now, but my purpose is that you would be a, a witness to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And there's this Ethiopian that you don't know about who has gone to Jerusalem to worship, and now he's going back to Ethiopia. And by going to the south, you're going to be able to meet up with that guy. You'll be able to share the good news about Jesus with him and baptize him so that when he goes to Ethiopia, he'll be a partial fulfillment to taking the good news about Jesus to the ends of the earth. And that, that, my friend, is why it would be a good idea for you to get up and go south right now. Of course, he chose not to do that. Can we tell anything about God's value system by the way he chose to do this? What can we see about his value system? To act in faith and dependence on him. Uh, which part of the, if God would have gone to him with my explanation, which part of the faith and dependence on him would be violated? The faith part. Yeah, in some sense, uh, faith is an assurance of things that we hope for and of conviction of things that we do not see. And so, um, if all the details about the outcome of Philip's getting up and going south were made clear and known to him, it, 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 it might be um, less about faith. I think, we, I think we see a spiritual principle here in this first interaction between Philip and this angel. And, and one principle is that there are times when God might ask us to do something without understanding the full ramifications of why we're doing it. That there may be times when God asks us to take seemingly irrational steps, like leaving a healthy ministry, to go south. And uh, we probably need to live our lives knowing that he might do something like that with us too. All right, so now the next thing that happened is Philip gets down to this road. And what's the next set of instructions he gets from God? 
go join that chariot. And how does that message come? By the Spirit. So the Spirit says to Philip, go over and join that chariot. So what alternatives did God have in this situation? What, how might God have done this differently? He could, he could have sent that same angel, right? God could have come back with that same angel that he sent the night before or the day before or whenever, whatever time of day it was um, to come and tell him, okay, good job that you obeyed. Your next set of instructions, should you choose to receive them, oh, is, to, is, is to go and join that chariot. But he, he chose another way. He chose the spirit as the communication tool. So I think we see here that one spiritual principle is that God might not be consistent in how he delivers messages. That he might sometimes do it through an angel and he might sometimes do it through a spirit. All right? So what's the next way that God speaks to Philip? in the story. The word, where do you see that? Ah, so he's, now he's using sound waves. So now we've got an angel of the Lord, and then we've got the spirit, and now we've got this mysterious vibrations. He's, he's, God is speaking to Philip through mysterious vibrations that carry a message. The, the, the word of God in audible form. Okay. And so when the spirit speaks to Philip, his response is, would you characterize it as quick or slow? He runs. So he runs to the chair, he runs to him. And he's still alert and looking for God's guidance. So Philip's posture and attitude is clearly looking for God's guidance in this. And he receives some mysterious vibrations that carry a message. And how does he respond to that? with a question. So he responds with a question. So Philip is still seeking more information. He's in the obedience and information seeking mode. So then what's the next way that God speaks to Philip? through the mouth of an unbeliever. The next set of instructions from God <laughs> comes from the mouth of an unbeliever. How can I understand if there's no one to guide me and an invitation to come sit next to him? This, in Philip's life, 
this process of finding the place that he's supposed to be in proclaiming the gospel, God uses many different ways to speak to him. Okay, let's set aside Philip for a minute and go to the Ethiopian. How did God speak to the Ethiopian? From the story. The word of God, we see that he was reading from Isaiah, right? How else? Through Philip, there's a human, through uh, somebody who knows Jesus, who's an eyewitness to the goodness of Jesus, through the word of God. What else? Worshiping in Jerusalem. Somehow, some way, God gave some sort of an impression to the Ethiopian, that he should go to Jerusalem for the purpose of worship. I don't know how that came. I don't think it's knowable in the story. But we do know that somehow God was active in this Ethiopian's life to draw him to Jerusalem for the purpose of worship. I mean, having a, back then, having a scroll of Isaiah wouldn't be a trivial thing. It would be expensive and cherished. So somehow or another, God has been extraordinarily at work in the life of this Ethiopian. Um, so I, I think I, I see a bit of a spiritual truth here that Sometimes, God is at, the, at work in the life of people that don't believe, even before we meet them. In this case, we say it's certainly true of the Ethiopian. Now, um, a question that you have to consider is, is this just ancient thinking, like back then, God had many different ways to communicate to believers, uh, but today it's just one way. Or, or does it still happen today like it did in the story? Does, is, does it still happen that way today? And then, on the other hand, back then, way back then, God was at the work at work in the lives of unbelievers, even before they met a Christian. Is that an ancient thing, or does that still happen today? And then, in this story, God was manufacturing away through Philip's obedience and through the responsiveness of the Ethiopian for those two to come together so that Jesus might be known. Is that just ancient stuff or does it still happen that way today? Where does it happen that way today? Is this um, a missions thing? Or does it still does it happen that way here in Pennsylvania? Does anybody here 
perhaps have a story where somebody before before they met a Christian was being drawn to Jesus. So um, on winter break for college, uh, I went home, and I had a friend named Dominic, and uh, he invited me to have lunch with him and a few guys from high school. And I was kind of shocked because I didn't really hang out with this kid a lot. And so he invited me over, and uh, we were eating burritos, actually, so it was really good. (laughs) And um, we were eating burritos, and he was telling me the story of how he was about to join the Navy SEALs. And so he's um, getting shipped off soon, and he started to tell me how he was afraid of death, and he was telling me just randomly that he was afraid of death like while we are eating this burrito. So I'm like, this is just too good to be true. Um, <laughs> and so I started telling him that, um, you know, you need to know the Lord because, you know, you have to have this confidence before you die. I mean, you're going to face God one day, so... Um, I began to tell him a little bit about Jesus, but I said, you know what, Um, we have a Christmas Eve service coming up at church, so I invited him over, and he came to that Christmas Eve service, and he sat down, and oh, so after that, I forgot, Um, (laughs) so me and and Dominic were, after I went home, um, the Lord said to me to give him a Bible, so I just called him up, I FaceTimed him, I was like, yo, Dom, uh, I have a gift for you, so I brought him a Bible, and I gave it to him, and he was, like, super thankful. He was like, oh, no way. He actually was like, I'm not worthy to read this. Like, it's too holy. Like, <laughs> and I was like, no, you're good. You're good. And, um, and I just told him, if you have any questions, you know, just ask me. And so I invited him to church that Christmas Eve service, and he came into the sanctuary, and we had an altar call that Sunday. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> And so we had an altar call that, that um, Christmas Eve service, and he came up to receive Christ. Um, he came up and after in the altar call, and he, he got born again, and he prayed um, and accepted Christ as his Savior. And then after that, um, he just told me how thankful he was. But I think it was God working in him because God knew that he was off to go to the Navy SEALs. And then before that, in high school, um, I was planting seeds and um, so many different circumstances led up to that point. And um, now he's saved and he's about to go to the military. So, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thankful to God that, uh, that he put it on your heart to share that. Yeah. The, the clarity of the, the word of God still today being relevant in this kind of experience the, the clarity that the invitation, the invitation that he gave you to speak into life after death and uh, the facing of death, uh, how can I explain unless somebody, the, the invitation to church, the prompting of, I guess it was an angel or the spirit that told you to give him a Bible? Uh, it wasn't an angel. Okay, we'll go with spirit. That would be cool, though. Yeah, huh. Yeah, it still does happen today, praise the Lord. Hmm. 
Father, we do pray that you'd uh, watch over Dominic and that you'd grow his faith and you'd give him Christian fellowship in his military experience and that you would remind him that you'd love him today. In Jesus' name. So, um, in the Central Asian meal that's up here, uh, you can see the, the picture of the Central Asian meal that we had, maybe. Um, but um, <clears throat> one, of the, uh, one of the guys that I got to know there was in a bookstore. He, so that in most of Central Asia, you've got two languages. Um, one of them will be like the local Turkish language, and one of them will be like the government language. Some places it's Chinese, some places it's Russian, but usually you've got like the, the mother tongue of the local Muslim folks with the ruling class language over them. And uh, this one guy was in a bookstore, a Christian bookstore that was sort of run by the, the people of the other language. Uh, and a, a, just a wide variety of circumstances happened where he, he had gone on the internet and downloaded a Bible and he was... Um, he was seeking God. And he goes into this bookstore, and, uh, and the guy that's in the bookstore who's from the, the not his culture, um, shares with him in the main language of that society uh, the good news about Jesus. And so this, this guy, he comes out. Alim is his name. So... Alim comes out, and he, he told me this later. He said, I went home that day saying, if I tell my friends that I decided to believe in Jesus through this guy's testimony, people are going to think that I've abandoned my own, my own self. And so, God, please send me someone else. And so then, uh, like a, a week later, Another person from a different foreign country came. The person that was sharing with him was Korean this time. Uh, but the Korean person was sharing with him in the, in the mother tongue, the, like the government language. So this person could speak both his mother tongue and the government language. So, so um, this person the next week was speaking with him in the government language and, and shared the gospel with him. But now it was a different person just like what he asked for. And so then he left, and he, later this friend, Alim, he t tells me, I left that second week saying, um, God, that was a good one. Uh, I guess what I really meant is, could you send somebody who would give me this news in my own mother tongue? So another week went by, and he goes back to the same bookstore, and... Uh, so he's sitting there uh, having coffee with the store owner. And, uh, and then I walked through the front door. And I walked up to him and I said, so I went in his mother tongue and I asked him, why are you in a Christian bookstore? Uh, and he just starts crying. And he decides, you know, it was like, he says, I've read the book. I just need to understand what to believe. How, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And that guy believed in Jesus that day. Uh, and within a year, there was 20 other Christians meeting in his home that he was sold out. 
Um, so that's the Ethiopian eunuch part of that story. Now, if you want the other half of the story about how Philip got to that crossroads, how it is that I wound up in that, in that city, then tomorrow you have to come to the movie day. Because at the movie day, Robin and I will share how it is that I got there on that day. So I, I'm not going to tell that part today. So you lose out if you don't go. Now, last but not least, uh, there are still a few spots available for this lunch today. So at lunch today, I'm going to tell you about that picture. And so that picture involves a car accident. It involves grand theft. It involves a wedding. And it involves tr cherry tree planting. And it, it's a, a grand fun story that's behind that picture. And if you don't have other plans for lunch today, you can hit divinity at karen.edu on your phone quickly because probably the spots will be filled by the time you send it, so hurry up. So let's pray. Oh, Lord God, amen. We love you. And we will belong to you forevermore. And we thank you for Dominic, and we thank you for Alim, and we thank you for our time together today. In Jesus' name.